The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. I brought those garments to the Wolf of Wall Street and they were like, this is amazing. You get the whole account. And then after that, Borlock Empire, and then Person of Interest, White Collar, Amazing Spider-Man, Ninja Turtle, Spike Lee, Mike Tyson, Jay-Z. We ended up dominating film and television, all the wardrobe, as a 19-year-old kid with no formal experience. And that taught me my first business lesson. Hey, welcome to The Path. I'm Ryan Roslansky, the CEO of LinkedIn. And on this show, I sit down with the world's top leaders to talk about the decisions that shape their unique careers and how these valuable lessons can help you forge your own path. Today, John Henry tells us his story. John started his career as a doorman while going to college. But by the time he was 30, he had dropped out of college, started his own business, spent time as an angel investor, a venture capitalist, and even host of the show Hustle on Vice. John is now the co-founder and co-CEO of Loop Insurance. He's been on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, and already his career has been anything but conventional. Here's how John Henry paved his path. I grew up born and raised in New York City, and I come from an immigrant family from the Dominican Republic. My mom was a little hustler, and she sold super soakers like the water guns, and she sold food and my pops drove cabs and and also worked as a presser and a dry cleaner. So at some point after 9-11, my mom and my family, we all migrated south to Florida. And um, there my mom picked up a job as a custodian in kind of an affluent school district. And one of the perks that you get when you work in an affluent school district is that your kids can attend that school district even if you don't live there. And this was the very first time that I had ever been around, you know, this kind of affluence, but also I felt like a fish out of water. You know, I started feeling embarrassed that I didn't have the latest clothes and I didn't have a car when I was coming up. Seeing my mom and pops constantly struggle to make rent and also meet the financial demands of having four young children. Being exposed to those pressures made me feel like I really wanted to to help out. I would work jobs so that I can contribute because there, I felt I felt powerless to help unless I was providing financially. I wasn't able to be carefree. But now I look at it as something that really helped shape my discipline and my focus and my ambition. I think that the opportunity to start from scratch is a great blessing. After high school, John decided to move back to his hometown of New York. He enrolled in community college and started working a host of odd jobs to make ends meet. John took the pressure he felt to support his family and turned it into fuel. And not too long after he moved to New York, John got his first big opportunity, a doorman job in an affluent residential building in Manhattan. They gave me a cheap little suit and they said, hey, you know, you just, just greet people as they come in, make them feel at home. And I was like, you know, I think I could do this. And just like in my early experience in high school, I was exposed to so many different life paths, but now on a different level, because now you're in New York, creme de la creme, top place. And even though I was living in, you know, what you might call the hood, 
it was still just a $2.25 train ride to go all the way down to Wall Street, and then you're in a different universe. Now talk about exposure to different careers. There's stockbrokers, there's commercial real estate developers, they are authors, musicians, actors, famous athletes. You know, I think people underestimate the power of proximity. One of the residents had a big franchise of dry cleaners, and he was an entrepreneur, self-made man. And he saw that I had, in Spanish, we say a chispa, it's like a spark. He was like, hey, do you want to learn the game of business? I have a small business that we've grown, and I think, you know, I think you'd be good for this. I remember that this mentor actually helped many people, but not everybody took it as seriously as I did. And so that was a lesson for me that I, that I realized later that when you're presented with an opportunity, if you don't meet it with a certain level of seriousness, then it'll just go past you. But, you know, in another way, too, that opportunity has to resonate. You can't force it. John was juggling school and work, all while taking on more responsibilities at his mentor's dry cleaning business. He was learning a lot along the way and knew this could be the start of a new adventure. So he started taking small steps to go out on his own. I was going around, knocking on doors, convincing people to give me their laundry. I would bring them to my mentor's facility. He would clean them and then I would bring them back. And then turning point happens. I was waiting for Christmas because Christmas is when doormen make tips. I was going to make my little bit of tips, and then I was going to quit my job and do this full time. December 1st of that year, I was fired from my job. I was devastated. But, you know, sometimes as you're evaluating a career change, you're waiting for the leap of faith. But sometimes fate kicks you off the ledge. And then it was really time. And what I did was I treated that side hustle, that side business as my full-time job. I suited up just like I would as a doorman. And I was on the street at nine in the morning and I worked it from nine in the morning to five in the afternoon. Every single day, five days a week, I treated it like a full-time job. So because I was fired from my job, I only had two main commitments, which was this little side hustle, this little business and school. And um, I remember sitting in a business law class and in real life, I'm negotiating a contract with my mentor. And then in the classroom, I'm learning about negotiating contracts. You would think that they were complimentary, but I remember sitting in that classroom and being like, I could be spending this time actually working on my business instead of reading about it. And it just, it clicked for me. And I kid you not, I stood up, I put the backpack over my shoulder the classroom stopped, the teacher stopped, and I just like walked out. And that was the last time I was ever in school as a student. And that was easily the scariest decision I've ever made in you know my career. I walked off into the bustling city with this backpack over my shoulder, and I said, I better get the selling. One of the residents at John's old doorman job saw how hard he was working on his business, and he reached out with an opportunity. Turns out he knew the wardrobe supervisor of the Wolf of Wall Street movie, and they were looking for a new dry cleaner. I picked up the clothes, and instead of taking them to my mentor, I actually took them to my dad, because remember, my dad's a presser and a dry cleaner, 
And it's just a moment that was very emotional for me because my pops was a presser all growing up and I was always embarrassed of that. And yet here I am in the most important moment of my career and life so far. And I brought him to my dad and my dad is a master presser and he pressed those garments really beautifully. I brought those garments and he delivered them with me to the Wolf of Wall Street. And they were like, this is amazing. You get the whole account. And by the way, there's a new account in town. If you get them, you're going to be okay for a long time. That was Law and & Order. And then after that, Boardwalk Empire, and then Person of Interest, White Collar, Amazing Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Spike Lee, Mike Tyson, Jay-Z, Beyonce. We ended up cornering, dominating film and television, all the wardrobe as a 19-year-old kid with no formal experience. And that taught me my first business lesson. There's riches and niches. What I was honing was my love for entrepreneurship and business. And I knew early on, I wasn't in love with the dry cleaning business. I just love business, period. And so we built it and, you know, eventually we got the opportunity to sell the business. Just as quickly when I signed the paperwork, I had turned it over, I had a little bit of cash and, and I was like, wow, I want to do that all over again. <laughs> Now that John had built and sold a business of his own, he was excited to do something he was really passionate about. He took all of his new skills and knowledge back to Harlem to share with other entrepreneurs in his community. And he created something only someone like him from the community with business experience could have dreamt up. He co-founded an incubator called Co-Found Harlem. I was hosting these little meetups in Harlem because I wanted to speak to other entrepreneurs that were in the area and had energy. And um, when I sold the business, I just, I didn't have anything to sink my time into. And so we evolved it into an incubator and we were able to raise money from the city. And then we got some corporate sponsors and then we got a real estate developer to give us space for free. I love incubating companies in Harlem. And then after the incubation program, they would stay in Harlem. So we were growing the, the village of Harlem is beautiful. Sometimes you're doing something interesting and that you're passionate about, but you know, there's no immediate monetization to be made. I didn't know how to monetize this thing. I didn't want to stop doing it though. Then a podcasting company reached out to me and said, Hey, we're doing a podcast for a big client. They're a company that supports small business. Would you like to be a host? And I said, well, why would you choose me? I've only been in business for like a few years. You know, you can choose someone who has 10, 20 years of experience. And here's where I learned about the value of having a unique path. And they said, John, we just really love this thing that you're doing at Co-Found Harlem. It's so unique. So we think that you would have a very interesting point of view. It was a six-figure deal for me. And, and it was like, whoa, I didn't know that you could even get paid to host a show. And, and then all of a sudden, this thing that I was doing that was unique and had bled my cash dry and I was miserable about it. Uh, and I was like, you know, behind on rent. I mean, it was very intense for me was the reason that I got this contract. And then, you know, that turned into another podcast and then eventually turned into a television show. John calls this the flip. It's the art of figuring out how to use one experience to pursue a completely different one. Let's look back at his multi-hyphen career for a second. He used his skills from the dry cleaning business to start an incubator. Then he attracted that podcast company because of his unique journey and his vision to start the incubator and so on until he became the host of Hustle on Vice and at the same time, 
a partner at a venture capital firm. An interesting thing happens when you develop a currency. A currency could be a skill, it could be cash, it could be visibility and influence. In my case, I had developed visibility and influence and community, and I got an opportunity to join an investment firm as a partner. Now, talk about a flip, right? It's like I flipped a little not-for-profit incubator into kind of a media platform, then I was able to flip that media platform into an equal partnership opportunity at an investment firm, okay? So it's just like, whoa, super interesting. Now I'm learning that you can kind of leverage your prior path into your new one. You can change direction, but you can always leverage that which you came from. And now that I know how to play this game, I'm ready to create a company that can scale and attract capital and change the lives of, uh, uh, of my community for the better. I will always be growing companies that meaningfully improve the lives of the same community that I was born and raised in. I want to take on big things that are not sexy at all, that no one's paying attention to, that is inconvenient and difficult to sink your teeth into, that VCs are not interested, that everyone runs away from because it's expensive to do. That's where I want to be, and I want to build life-changing things there. John's latest venture is an insurance company called Loop. His goal is to disrupt the car insurance industry, which he says perpetuates bias against vulnerable communities by relying on factors like credit score and zip code instead of a person's driving ability. And John hopes to take Loop public soon. He's accomplished so much in so little time. So I wondered about his top career advice. My advice is not to listen to so much advice because there's, there's information abundantly available everywhere. It's more about your path. Anytime you have a curiosity, you get excited about something. It's capturing your imagination. You can't stop thinking about it. I would lean in right there. My path has always been from the beginning to the end, irrespective of what industry I've been in, is whenever my imagination is captured, I'm going there. Sometimes it's very scary, but like you're following your what you feel is your path. And then sometimes that's gonna change. And then you have to do the scary thing of leaving what has been your path for the last few years and going a different direction and different direction. And before you know it, you have carved out a distinct path that you can only do if you're leaning into the things that call out to you and your imagination and gets you excited. So here's what I love about John's story. He found the right balance between listening to mentors' advice and listening to his gut. He built meaningful relationships from the people he met in high school to the residents at his doorman job to the people in his community. And he let all of them expand his worldview. But he also connected to his own curiosity and purpose. John followed his imagination, even if it led to different industries. And he embraced the art of the flip, pivoting his career over and over again. John was able to identify a very specific goal, to improve the lives of people in his community. And no matter what he did, he was always working towards that same goal. But how do you identify what that goal is in your own career? We'll get into that after the break. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. 
So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hey, I'm Michael Kovnat, host of The Next Big Idea Daily. The show is a masterclass in better living from some of the smartest writers around. Every morning, Monday through Friday, we'll serve up a quick 10-minute lesson on how to strengthen your relationships, supercharge your creativity, boost your productivity, and more. Follow The Next Big Idea daily wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Path. Before the break, we heard about how John Henry went from doorman to venture capitalist and TV show host to the co-CEO of a car insurance company. He was confident in his purpose every step of the way, but it's not as easy as it seems. When you have so many options in front of you, how do you choose what to pursue next? We've got Nilifer Merchant to help narrow things down. Nilifer has been named one of the most influential management thinkers in the world. She's the co-founder of the Intangible Labs, which aims to define the intangible metrics of value creation. She's the author of three books, including The Power of Onlyness. And Nilifer loves John's advice to not lean on so much advice because it gets right to the heart of her concept of onlyness. What he's really pointing to is if we copy other people's past, we're actually mimicking somebody else instead of being ourselves. We each stand in a spot in the world only one stands in. It's a function of our distinct history and experience, visions and hopes. And from that spot is how you capture this place of power that is your own. I call this spot, by the way, onlyness, O-N-L-Y-N-E-S-S, one word. Nilifer's theory of onlyness emphasizes that your individual life experiences serve as the genesis of your creativity and the foundation for your big ideas. Everyone has problems they're uniquely equipped to solve. And like John, the sooner you can pinpoint what your unique position and purpose is, the sooner you can hit your stride. John did it instinctively when he created, co-found Harlem and Loop, both getting at the same purpose in a different way. But finding your calling is a tall order. It's not as easy as John makes it seem. So how do we even start identifying what it is? There's a reason why we using the colloquialism, give a shit about something. There's some genesis in our life. So I have two questions that I ask people to ask themselves. The first is, what has formed and informed you to what you care about today? So just if you think about it, list off like five stories of your life and go, and it can be, by the way, any five stories, because they will almost always hold the same thread. It's surprising. So it's not like there's a right story or you have to pick something. It's like, what are five stories that have really formed and informed you? And to ask yourself, okay, let's say in that example, if I was raised in poverty, what does that mean for me? What have I decided as a result of it? Is it that I'll run from it? Is it that I will solve it? Is it that I believe, you know, so whatever it is that you have then decided about that. The second question I ask people to ask themselves is this. If you were in the Disney movie and you got the magic wand, the one that turns pumpkins into carriages and mice into horses, and in your case, it will not revert back at midnight, you could solve anything, absolutely anything. What would you fix? And when I ask those two questions of what's informed you so that's really shaped your life and then what is it you would then sort of do with that magic wand, almost always as a through line to those two things. And what I'm actually doing is drawing a through line by saying, what brings you to today? 
and where do you want to grow and become? And if you can just stand at that intersection of your history and experience and visions and hopes, you actually know something about why you care about what you care about. And John Henry said it where he goes, you know, follow your own niche. And he's basically saying there's money in it. There's not only just money in it, there's your own curiosity in it, your own passion in it. But what happens once you've figured out the thing you want to do, your true passion, but it goes against the grain? What if your colleagues, friends, or even your family don't immediately get on board? Well, the first thing we have to realize is that the data says this. You have to have five people in your life who support you. So it's that data, by the way, has a lot of people know it by this. So if your friends start smoking, you'll start smoking. If they gain weight, you'll gain weight if they lose weight. That, that's basically the, the science of it. And so if we have people around us who basically go, yeah, you're nuts in whatever form factor that nuts language comes from, it usually sounds like this. Like if you're truly accepted by your people, they'll say something like, huh, that's interesting. Tell me more. And if you're the, like your five people don't really get you, here's the same words. Hmm. That's, um, interesting. And they'll say it with so much doubt that you will start to question yourself. Not, that's not a self-confidence issue, by the way, that is just how human beings are meant to belong to each other. And so I think finding your path is how do you listen to that curiosity you have and then couple it with how do you belong to the people who actually want you to be more of you? It doesn't matter, though, if your five people are sitting in that room. So the key is, do we have five people on text? Do we have five people that we can turn to over a Sunday brunch and go, okay, I'm struggling with this thing and help me figure out what it is I'm really, you know, what I want to, like, I'm struggling with this thing and I don't even know what I am thinking. Can you help me think it more? And so as, as soon as we create the social context for our ideas, that idea can have a chance to blossom. Um, and, but it doesn't have to be in the room. And so the key most of us are looking for is we're looking in the room and going, these people don't get me and therefore I must be crazy. And I'm like, no, 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 you have to figure out how to build a better network. I love Nilifer's idea that networking doesn't have to happen in the room. It's why LinkedIn has been such a powerful tool for people all over the world. But a lot of people dread networking because it feels transactional, fake, but networking is about being authentic, being supportive, and giving back. It's more than just asking each other for jobs. What I've realized is the key isn't the individual. The key is the connection. And so the question isn't, are we connected, but how are we connected? So for example, using John Henry's example, are we connected because we like building things from scratch? Are we connected because we believe in building wealth in communities that have traditionally been denied that access? These would all be different ways that someone's shared interest or what we might call shared purpose connects people and lets us be more than the sum of our parts. Now, I just introduced a pretty big word, purpose. So let me explain what I mean by it. I define purpose as that thing that is so big that you need other people to join into it to make it happen. Often we think about networks as how can we benefit one another? Meaningful or purposeful relationships ask something very different of us, which is how can we work towards a common goal? So it's not you and I facing each other, it's you and I on the same side of the table towards this thing that we want to see happen. And that makes it mutual. It's not about you or me, it's about us. And the way we get there is to ask two questions. One is, 
what is it that I personally care about, which we can maybe call small P purpose, which is what I was getting to when I was talking about how do we find your own path? What is it you give a shit about? It's just the, kind of like this shortcut to that. And then who else cares about that same, which is what we might call big P purpose. And building that connection based on this common purpose means you have a meaningful network of people who can join up and act as one to do great big things. So here's my takeaway. No matter where you are in your career, focusing on yourself, finding your onlyness, and finding your people will make your next step easier to get to, and you'll eventually be able to flip your experiences from there. So if you're an entrepreneur, find at least five people who believe in you. If you're at a company looking for a promotion, find the coworkers who support you and will vouch for you. But remember, at the end of the day, it's your passion and your willingness to find your people that will bring you excitement while you pave your path. Follow the path for more episodes weekly and join the conversation about each episode on linkedin.com slash the path. The path is a LinkedIn editorial production. Our production team includes Ava Ahmedbegi, Stephen Valdivia, and Rachel Wong. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Dave Pond is head of news production. Our head of original programming is Courtney Coop, and Dan Roth is our editor-in-chief. Thanks to Tatiana de Almeida, Caroline Gaffney, and Valerie Berry. And a big thank you to Nilifer Merchant for sharing her insights with us. You can visit her website, nilifermerchant.com, for her onlyness canvas, a free worksheet to help you find your unique spot in the world. Thanks for listening. I'm Ryan Roslansky.